0: I don't know if you saw that Detroit Lions won, and it was a major come from behind victory, the first since before I had children. (laughs) That is boring.
1: I mean, yeah, that's pretty crazy because I think they beat Green Bay last week, right? So they did. They own the Midwest. (laughs) They uh,
0: They own the Great Lakes. Okay, son, are you ready? I'm ready to go. Welcome to Hard Compound, the American take on Formula One. We have just finished watching the Brazilian Grand Prix, Sao Paulo, Interlagos, one of the better races and better race weekends of the season. Patrick, son, can I get your take
1: on the Brazilian Grand Prix? Yeah, absolutely. Very fun race, very fun weekend. I just wish it happened earlier in the season, (laughs) but my Take on this race is F1, beware, because the sleeping giant that is Mercedes' Formula One racing team has awoken. (laughs) And it's going to be hard to continue to beat that team in the near future, I think, with two extremely good British racing drivers, a team with more money and manpower than pretty much anyone else. I mean, it is going to be tough. Yep. Two top drivers, a car that steadily
0: improved. The only team that seems to be close is going forward is Red Bull. And even though I think Max is the best driver in F1, he is just one driver. Plus, based on the new rules, Red Bull will have much less time in the wind tunnel and with car development next year because they've won the constructors already. And With their salary spending breach or their spending breach, they have an additional 10% penalty reduction. So I think you're right. I think Red Bull needs to be careful. The rest of the grid needs to be careful. It was a couple of years ago when Max won his first championship. Total Wolf, team principal at Mercedes, said, you know, everybody has a target on their back. And I think everybody should take that man serious. But. Before we talk more about that, what a weekend. Interlagos, always a fun track. And this year,
1: George Russell, his first win in Formula One. Yeah, what a crazy thing. Mercedes finally get their first win of the season, which, you know, I don't think anybody expected it to take this long, at least coming into the season. And I don't know that anybody expected it to be George Russell, but he took that Mercedes and You know, was able to get on the front row after the sprint and, you know, didn't get caught up in any of the messes throughout the actual Sunday race and just stayed out in front, pushed the pace. Lewis looked like the only other guy that could come close, but, you know, dealing with a few incidents, you know, only came up in second. So awesome weekend from George. Got a little lucky when he went off in qualifying and and didn't damage his car at all. So he was able to start P3 in a sprint. But yeah, I mean, he looked great all weekend.
0: He did. And I must say, I was not surprised Mercedes won this weekend. North George, I'm very happy for him. He is my favorite Bond villain. But Mercedes has improved throughout the year, while Ferrari, still in second, has faltered. George has Kept pace with Lewis all year. George actually has more points than Lewis. So that was a toss-up. And maybe even George should have been favored to be the first winner for Mercedes this year. I think for me and for all of us, the big surprise is that it took so long. There's only one more race to go. Mercedes, you know, they launched into that turbo hybrid era and owned it. They won it every year, but we still expected them to compete in this new era with the new aero regulations and to see them go until the penultimate race before a win is a little shocking. You know, it had nothing to do with the outcome, but something else that was shocking was that extremely long safety car. Remember when Lando pulled off, like I even turned the television up higher to because I'm like, wait, did I miss something? Why is that safety car still out there? I I think I ordered a pizza and had it delivered in the time it took for them to clear Lando's car and get us back to racing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That whole safety car was strange because it seemed like it took a long time for them to decide that they needed anything. So it was like a lap before they even put out a VSC. Right. And then that was out for like two laps before this actual safety car came out. So signs came in and pitted under the virtual safety car, drove a lap, and then they got the safety car. And then that safety car was out there forever. I don't know what was going on. It was weird. Yuki somehow didn't make it through and so couldn't unlap himself. So he ended up a lap down on everybody even though Albon and Latifi somehow figured out to get through. I I don't know. It was strange. It was weird. Nothing was right about it. (laughs) It was. I still don't know why that happened. Speaking
0: of Yuki, though, you know, we make fun of Latifi and rightly so. But (laughs) I, I mean, Latifi has been bad consistently. Yuki started off his F1 career as okay he's consistently gotten worse. I don't understand it. He seems to not have the stamina to last through a full F1 season or lacks the concentration. If you look at his driving at his pace, it seems to have gotten worse week after week. He seemed sort of caught unaware of what to do during that sort of crazy virtual safety car, safety car issue. So I don't know what's going on with Yuki. Yeah, I don't know. I think he signed up for next year, but I, I don't see why or how. There are too many quality drivers
1: waiting for that spot. Yeah, it's very interesting. I'm not sure what the plan is at Alphatori, how much you know, extra cash flow they get just by having Yuki on the team. It just seems like another one of those situations where as a driver, he's not really doing his job. You know, you don't expect the Alphitore driver to be on the podium or to win any races, really. But at least to, to fight and compete with midfield teams. And Yuki has not done that consistently in his F1 career. He seems to consistently make mistakes, get into crashes or, or just sort of weird incidents on track. And it's kind of disappointing because I think everyone wants him to do well but he just hasn't been able to. You know, it was such a fun race, such a fun sprint.
0: I love the sprints, always have. Such a fun race weekend. Anybody who has F1 TV, I would encourage them to re-watch it or watch it for the first time, the Brazilian Grand Prix. And there were so many heartfelt moments. You know, George getting his first ever win, he called Total Wolf, the Mercedes team principal, for reasons I don't know was not on the track. I believe he called his parents. You know, the whole weekend was filled with these great moments. I think it was Mick Schumacher driving Seb Vettel. Only one race left. He's driving him close to the fans so the fans can get a good look. Everybody, you know, saying great stuff about Daniel Ricciardo. He's going to be out of F1 at the end of this season. Kevin Magnussen, his first pole, thanks to the sprint. You know, the Haas team, that was their first ever pole, you know, celebrating Max Verstappen, such a nice guy, you know, making sure he, you know, he congratulates Kevin Magnussen. But for all the heartfelt moments, I think we need to have a new segment because the Brazilian Grand Prix highlighted it. Is this a driver move or a dick move? Because there were several dick moves and several driver moves. So, for example, Charles Leclerc. He will not win the WDC. Max has already wrapped it up, but he's fighting for second against Sergio Perez. He is on the radio with Ferrari, begging them, please have Carlos, his teammate, let me pass so I can get more points. Well, there's no way Carlos is going to do that. Carlos is not going to give up a podium spot, which he got, just so Charles can get a handful more points. That's a driver move. But I think we had some clear dick moves. I I think you would agree that Carlos not letting Charles by was a driver move. These guys are F1 drivers. They're there to win.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fair. And, you know, Perez was doing the same thing, right? He was asking his team to have Verstappen let him back through so he could get more points. But Max did not, which what do you think? I think that was a dick move. No, I think that's that's the same thing as Sainz not letting Leclerc through. Who, who gives no, a shit about your signs, teammates? Sainz could get a podium, though. I mean, Max has the
0: championship wrapped up. He's not going to get a podium. Signs could get a podium. I think that's different. I think Max should have let. Now, he was several seconds ahead. I don't know if it was as feasible as we think, but I think he should have let. Sergio go ahead of him and get more points.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think the whole situation is kind of weird that drivers have teammates, right? Like <laughs> Right. Cuz you're trying to be, you know, like work with your teammate a little bit, but at the same time you're 100% out for yourself, and that sort of has to be the driver mentality. Like I don't see any issues with drivers who are Ahead of their teammates, like racing with them or not just sort of giving in and, and letting them pass. Right. So I have no issues with either of those guys just saying, like, no, I mean, if they want to be better than or if they want more points, then go faster than me.
0: Right. So, okay, we'll, we'll disagree with a bit on this, but there were a couple moments though, both in the race and on the sprint the, over the whole weekend where it's like, look, we can tolerate you being an F1 driver and not letting even your teammate by, even if it helps that driver and or the team and doesn't really hurt you. But there can't be incidents that put cars or drivers at risk. So there were a couple of those this weekend. So for example, Ocon and Alonzo tangled during the sprint. Now in the race, Ocon was told, no funny business if Fernando,
1: who has the pace, is about to pass you. You let him pass. Yeah. I mean, the same thing happened at Aston, right? In the sprint. And I think, you know, it goes back to just racing and and what drivers are about. And I think you have to be clean and respectful, but you don't have to just allow them by you. I don't think that's my perspective. I like it when they are allowed to race each other, and when they do decide to race each other, and I, like I, I feel like that's the case with Alonso and, and Ocon, and even with Stroll and Vettel during the sprint, they they were racing. You know, I don't have a, an issue with that. Where the issue then lies is how those guys decided to defend against their teammates and you know, stroll 100% dick move, he like went way late and forced Vettel off the track, which is extremely dangerous to both car and driver. And, you know, Ocon was a little bit nicer, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't think it was as dangerous of a move, but, you know, it, it compromised Alonso's sprint with the contact and the debris that came off of his car. So, you know, I like when they race, but you still have to see them as another driver and respect sort of the rules and and space that you give them. But I think, you know, in teams, you're going to be judged on how you perform next to your teammate. And so I think those battles actually get a little bit spicier than people might recognize they do
0: i can't wait for next year with lewis and george i'm sure lewis believes he deserves to be the number one driver but it's like i'm sorry george is there he is not valtteri botas he's not content to play second he has his career ahead of him and intends to win that will be a spicy team battle there at mercedes for sure you're talking about Ocon and alonso stroll and vettel There were a couple of hairy incidents during the sprint, but I I just wanted to reiterate how much I love the sprints. I've always said that, and I just want to mock the entire British sporting media because for (laughs) two years now, they have said sprints are bad. We need to get rid of sprints. They hate sprints. Well, Mercedes and the two Brits do very well, and suddenly they're all saying sprints are wonderful. Well, they've always been
1: wonderful. I'm glad that we're keeping them. Yeah, shut the hell up. (laughs) I mean, I don't understand why anybody doesn't like the sprint, especially at a track like Interlagos. It works really well. I think if you're a driver
0: or if you're in the paddock, the work, the pressure, the stress for that little potential payoff, I can completely understand why you may not be a fan of the sprint. But if you're a fan of racing and of F1, Especially if you paid money to show up on track, then of course you're a fan of the sprint. They're always great. A new topic top five. So this was a fun race. You know, everything's been decided. We know who the champion is, Max Verstappen. We know who the constructor's champion is, Red Bull. There are some minor skirmishes still to be decided. Like, has Alpine locked in fourth over McLaren? Will it be Charles Leclerc at Ferrari? or Sergio Perez at Red Bull, who takes second. But we pretty much know all we need to know. But this was a fun race.
1: So, Patrick, who do you have in your top five? Yeah, this was a really difficult one, I think, because there's lots of guys that, that drove really well throughout the weekend, maybe didn't get the results they wanted, maybe, you know, got into... Some scraps and had issues with cars or whatever. But, you know, I I thought that Charles Leclerc ending up in fourth was rather impressive after everything that he went through. Throughout the weekend, Ferrari basically decided that he was going to start 10th based on their. Qualifying decisions. <laughs> I don't know why in hell they would do something like that, but they chose to, once again. Right, right. All the insider business books on
0: how not to run an F1 team can just all be focused on 2022 Ferrari. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, just ridiculous. So he starts way back there in the sprint, you know, has has issues with the sprint, and then to start the race, gets tangled up with Norris, basically ends up at the back of the pack and somehow works his way through pretty methodically, ends up in fourth just behind his teammate. It was a pretty impressive driving weekend from him, although not so great from his team. Then I have a former Ferrari driver, Fernando Alonso, that finished right behind Leclerc in the race today. Like, I don't know, Alonso in the last several races has just Been a nuisance and found himself (laughs) in so many different incidents with a bunch of different guys, including several with his teammate. He's a handful, but put on a great show.
0: Yes. Every F1 driver who wakes up in the middle of the night screaming, sweating, Alonzo was haunting them. (laughs) You know, I mean, he is just in their dreams, in their nightmares. He's living inside their head. What he's been doing at age 40 and in the cars he has is just remarkable.
1: Yeah, I mean, so so another just ended up being an impressive finish from him, even though it was kind of a chaotic weekend. Then, of course, you have to have the race winner, George Russell, in the top five. Great race from him, really solid sprint from him good qualifying until he basically ruined everybody else's qualifying. (laughs) So that's the only reason I have him down in third was that sort of screw up. Otherwise he would have had the perfect weekend. I think he would have been on pole. He was faster than everybody. He would have won the sprint and won this race. And, you know, I think he got fastest lap too. So, so he would have done everything perfectly had it not been for that little Little screw up there in qualifying. Then, of course, unfortunately, a DNF in today's race. Kevin Magnussen, he was on pole, which, like, what the hell? I know it was kind of a weird qualifying session, but he ended up on pole, and that was him driving. So, you know, awesome work from him. You know, that Haas, of course, doesn't have a pace that the that the other cars have, but you know, he didn't just go back right away in the sprint you know he held his own he was out there for a few laps out in front fought a few guys but like clearly didn't have the pace but you know I think overall a solid drive and then unfortunately you know Ricardo taps him today and just spins him out so he doesn't even get a lap in so that was tough yeah that was tough to see but yeah I thought Magnussen awesome weekend for him awesome weekend for Haas even though they don't come away with any points. And then I have Valtteri Botas, which I don't know. I think there's a lot of guys that could be P5 here on, on my board. But I think Botas again, really solid weekend for Alfa Romeo. Like they don't have a very good car, but, you know, he's been driving the wheels off of it. And, and I think, you know, he kind of proved that again. He was up in the top five for a long time. I think he kind of got screwed with the safety car and some of the decisions that his team made there. And so he dropped back pretty quickly after the restart, but overall, a really good drive from him. Nice. Nice. So you have a clerk, Alonzo,
0: George Russell, Kevin Magnuson, and Valtteri Bottas. Mine are quite different. Usually we're, we're more in sync. My number one, George Russell, he held off Lewis Hamilton. He got his first ever F1 victory. He did screw up in qualifying. And I thought that perhaps, you know, just sort of being Lewis Hamilton's teammate the long season, it was just getting to him. But but you know what? He's been steady. He's been good. He corrected his mistakes and he held off Lewis in the race. He won it. Great. So I'm going with George Russell, my number one. Number two, Carlos Sainz at Ferrari. I mean, Ferrari is like the Yahoo. Yahoo and Ferrari, I think, are sort of cut from the same cloth. Yahoo was so huge, so big, so far out in front of everyone, and they blew it all. There's still a major presence, Yahoo is, for example, on the internet, but only because they were so big and got so rich and so popular in the early days. They've thrown it all away at Every chance they throw away, we'll throw away imaging. We'll throw away search. We'll throw away mail. We'll 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 throw away video content. We're content to be third in all of the things that we sort of were out front on. Somehow, Carlos Sainz, even though he's, let's be honest, the number two driver at Ferrari, and it's Ferrari, he got a podium. So I'm giving my man Carlos Sainz number two. Lewis Hamilton, third. It's been a tough year for Lewis Hamilton, but he's been his normal, consistent, relentless, mercenary self. He had the big celebrations in Brazil. They love him there. They made him an honorary citizen. He took the podium, just missed out on his first win of the year. My number four, like you also have, Alonso. Fernando Alonso, I mean, the man is just a beast. He's just cruel. All of those scary movies that I never watch where they make 10 of them, 10 Halloweens and 10 Friday the 13th or whatever, or Saw's. You know, whoever's the villain who somehow continues to be alive, that's Alonzo. The man should not still be able to do what he does. And finally, Kevin Magnuson. It was so disappointing. I mean, he, he Magical Pole got the sprint. You know, we really wanted to see him have a solid race for both his sake and Haas's sake at Brazil. He gets tapped. He spins around. He's still able to race, but then Daniel Ricciardo takes him out. They're both out. That was tough to watch. But overall, that five spot, like you said, was sort of tough to select anyone. And so I'm going with Kevin Magnussen. So George Russell, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, Fernando Alonso, and Kevin Magnussen. Now, both of us had, oh, no, you only had Russell in your top five. I had Russell and Hamilton. 2023 is looking good for Mercedes, though. Their car has continued to improve. It looked like it might win last week in Mexico. It dominated this week in Brazil. We'll see how it is two weeks from now in the Middle East at Abu Dhabi, but I think given that it's Mercedes, given what they've done throughout the year, given that team of Lewis and George, and the handicaps Red Bull is going to
1: face, we've got to make them as the early favorite for the constructors, don't you think? Yeah, I don't think it'll even be close. Ooh, I think Mercedes might win every race next season. (laughs) Based on what they've shown throughout this season, They were looking bad. Like, not just couldn't quite keep up with the top two, but like Alpine McLaren level was what they were looking like at the beginning of the season. They were having crazy porpoising issues. The drivers couldn't handle the car. The front was just getting washed away at every corner. Like, it did not look good for them. The fact that they're like... I don't know, 19 points behind Ferrari right now in the constructors. They just won their first race of the season and it was a lockout one 2 finish. And nobody could even come close to keeping pace with that team. Two of the top drivers in the sport, sort of a, a newly refreshed kind of excitement about the team. I don't know. It's going to be hard for anybody to keep pace. I mean, I think. We're both pretty sure that, like, Ferrari can't hang. They just don't seem to have the focus or, or even just management in general to compete with the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull. And you mentioned it, Red Bull, with with a fairly significant handicap, and they're already going to have less time because they're going to win the Constructors' Championship. So then 10% less, I mean, that's that's a lot. I think Mercedes is is going to be way out in front, at least to start the season. Wow. To me, Red
0: Bull is good enough, and Max Verstappen is the best driver on the grid. I think if he's within striking distance, he always will have a chance. So I do think Mercedes is set to win a constructors again and then go on another long-term run. But... I can't imagine Max not winning several races next year. He's just too good. However, George and Lewis are both excellent drivers, both British. And it made me wonder, you know, I I saw they were playing the British National Anthem, George Russell there, and I thought, when was the last time we've heard the British National Anthem at an F1 race, and it wasn't Lewis Hamilton? And I was like, wait,
1: Lando? No, it's not gotta Lando. be Button, right? I was Jensen gonna say, Button. was it Jensen Button? I, but I that mean, had to be a long ass time ago. <laughs> that, I know, like, like, like I, when he was teammates with Lewis, right? You know, <laughs> I was
0: like, when you know, I mean, I was trying to think, I was like, no, wait, did, did Lando? No, no, Lando never won. And I was like, going through the have. list, Didn't. Yeah, 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 he should have, he blew it in the... Uh, was that Sochi? I forget where. Yeah, he was he really like won.
1: hungry or whatever. Oh, right?
0: yeah. In the rain. You know, so I, I thought, you know, that's interesting. And, and so, yeah, I think Lewis, George, Mercedes are very well set for 2023. And for folks who don't know. So with the new rules, the new aerodynamic rules and the new spending cap rules, the team that comes in first place gets less time in wind tunnel. So less time essentially for car improvements. Second place gets the second least amount of time. So Red Bull, which is one this year, will already have the least amount of time. And then they have a 10% cut to their aero testing time because of their spending cap overages this year. You know, I was saying, I was trying to remember when was the last time a Brit stood atop the F1 podium that wasn't Lewis Hamilton. Now, the reverse of that is Nicholas Latifi. You know his teammate is, I think, British. Alex Albon. I think you're technically Thai. Technically Thai. Okay. You know what? What can I say about Nicholas Latifi? He's not a bad-looking guy. He's young. His dad is super rich. So, you know, anything I say, I don't think it will stick because you know <laughs> that's a bit of a charmed life. But my goodness, he has to be out of this sport soon. I know Abu Dhabi's his final race. I remember. I think it was only halfway and his teammate in the same car and I believe on the same tires was like 40 seconds ahead of him. I was like, this is ridiculous. He needs to be out. You know, he's doing no good for Williams. The people who bought the Williams team, they came in with all the money, all the talk. They've been worse, I think, than Claire Williams, which I did not think was possible. And I I can only think that they are just sort of cutting costs and sort of accumulating sponsor money to build up the value of the team for when they sell it, because you cannot keep running a Nicholas Latifi year after year,
1: for example. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty insane. You know, I think he has the current longest streak of like 11 Q1 finishes or whatever of any driver. So, you know, he doesn't qualify well ever <laughs> like he never gets out of the first session so he's one of the five worst qualifying guys every single race and then you know drops to the back of the pack and doesn't do anything after that as soon as the race starts it seems like you know we never hear about latifi unless he's crashing into somebody which <laughs> like I, I, I don't know that's that's unacceptable when there's 20 guys on the grid. Right, so so like if if you're one of twenty, you got to be doing something, and he just isn't ever. Yeah, he's got to go. Uh, more interesting topic, I think. Who do you think is
0: going to take second place, Charles Leclerc or Sergio Perez? We've got one race to go. I believe Charles is a few points ahead. I think isn't
1: he's? Are they tied? Or oh, are they tied? Okay, I think so. Yeah, because step and didn't let Perez through so I think you know that meant they they were tied on points now which to me is inconceivable and I do know what that word means <laughs> 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 but like Perez should be so far ahead it shouldn't even be close with the amount of just sheer baffling decisions that Ferrari has made the number of DNFs that Leclerc has had, you know, whether it was his fault or not to be tied going into the last race. That's crazy to me. So it's Perez's to lose. Ultimately, I think he'll probably pull it out and finish ahead of Leclerc next race in Abu Dhabi. But man, like it shouldn't even be close. I'm
0: with you. It should be close if we were predicting the outcome and this was the first or second week of the year. But we've seen so much baffling Ferrari behavior and miscues that I agree. Sergio Perez should be in second, well ahead of third, and he's not. I do think, though, as you said, he's simply in a better car, better team, and he'll pull it out. What about fourth in the constructors? McLaren. Gave all of us the impression that it was ready to move into that top tier, that Mercedes-Red Bull-Ferrari tier. They did not. They have fallen back. They're now battling Alpine, shockingly, for fourth. Alpine, after today, because both Ocon and Alonso finished in the points, and McLaren's drivers, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo, DNF'd. So Alpine is now
1: well into fourth place. Do you think that will stick? Yeah, I think. Alpine has been way more consistent throughout the season. And I don't even think they've been all that consistent, but, you know, way more consistent than McLaren has this season. I don't necessarily think that will change. McLaren has to have a big drive from both of their guys in Abu Dhabi in order to leapfrog Alpine. You know, it is possible that they can leapfrog them, but it'll have to be an impressive drive you know they'll definitely have to be on the podium with at least one of their guys and alpine will have to pretty much get no points so it's going to be tough but yeah yeah I, i
0: think and this is quite a surprise that alpine will take fourth in the constructors this year okay virtual podium we know who appeared on the actual
1: podium george lewis and carlos who do you have on your virtual podium patrick well, I was having trouble deciding who to put on my virtual podium or, or what to put on my virtual podium. You know, we always talk about the sprints and the fans. And I think, you know, the Americas have done such a great job in the last three races of putting on a great show for all the spectators. But I decided that I would put you on my virtual podium. <laughs> it was your birthday this week and you were treated to a nice. Michigan football win, and an awesome Brazilian Grand Prix, so happy I birthday. I hope Thank that was a you. good one. Thank you. It was with, the, with cake and, and drink and good people.
0: Thank you. Thank you, son. For me on the virtual podium, I'm not putting you.
1: <laughs> Damn it.
0: <laughs> for me on the virtual podium, Christian Horner. It was really touched seeing him in the interviews and proudly wearing his poppy for Remembrance Day. Okay, let's switch to the soft compound. I hate to bring this up because it might sound like I'm being unnecessarily mean to people I've never met and who are doing good. I don't mean for that to be the case. But there were safety cars and there were folks out on track trying to clear out cars, get the drivers. We've seen this happen in multiple races. And the thing is, they always look really, really fat. Why is that?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I mean,
0: check, (laughs) rewatch all the races. They all look really, really fat. Are they wearing a lot of stuff under their onesies that I'm just not
1: seeing? What's going on with that? Okay. I I imagine that they have to wear some kind of, you know, fire protective garments and whatever. I, I don't know. I think... They all seem kind of, I don't know, it seems frequent that they kind of look confused. Yes. Which I'm not really understanding. It seems like they should have a firm grasp of exactly what to do in the situations that they're put into rather than kind of like confusion and being totally lost at like what is going on. Uh, If you ever go to a hotel And this can be any hotel. It can be a hotel
0: that has a hundred rooms and then it's been in existence for a hundred years. You show up, tell them you have a reservation, give them your name, pull out your identification, and they begin a process where it is as if you are the first person to ever show up. It happens every time. I don't get it. That's what it's like for these stewards. I'm like, what's going on here? They seem morbidly obese. I'm not being mean. They just look that way to me on the screen and confused. So another fun topic, Bitcoin crash. Uh, I think it was a few weeks ago, you and I had noticed that suddenly F1 had removed all the crypto.com signs that had been everywhere. And I thought, oh, what a good time to sell Bitcoin because clearly that's quite a tell. Well, Mercedes was a little bit late on the draw here because they had ftx as a sponsor which is deep into crypto and nfts and yeah everybody in that lost all their money so eh, what are you gonna
1: do (laughs) like literally lost they don't know where it is (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) it is lost Uh, it is lost as as one of those stewards on somebody like took it and scammed them they have no fucking (laughs) clue.
0: right right Yeah, we don't we don't know, man. We don't know. What's a billion dollars? What is, what, no big deal. Speaking of losing money, Las Vegas. Before the Brazilian race, they had a big celebration in Las Vegas. They intend to make the Las Vegas Grand Prix bigger
1: than Monaco, bigger than the Super Bowl. I think they can do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, their launch party looked awesome. Tons of fun. Tons of people who look like they were having a good time. It's going to be lots of money lots of big names going to that race next season. Everything's going to be sold out. As soon as anything, you know, is available, it's going to sell out. It's going to be crazy. You know, I think everyone was excited for Miami this year and it was cool. It was fun. It's going to be way, way, way bigger in Vegas. I think so too. I
0: do. It's going to be huge. Across the line, that is our segment where we predict who will win the next race. We choose the top five. If our driver makes it in the top five, we get a point. If he finishes exactly where we predict, we get three points. Patrick, what
1: are the standings to date in Across the Line? Man, after this penultimate race of the season, I am sitting on 79 points to your seventy-six wow three points between us three points between us so there this is still open yeah this is this is nervy moments here who's gonna pull it out
0: who will be my latifi and take you out of the (laughs) running next week or in two weeks awesome 79 76 so the next race is abu dhabi the final race of the season We already know who the Constructors' champion is, Red Bull. We already know who the Drivers' champion is, Max Verstappen. But I still am expecting a fun race, one where it will be the final race, we believe, of Daniel Ricciardo, Sebastian Vettel, possibly, and we're fairly certain, Nicholas Latifi, possibly Mick Schumacher. We're not quite sure. But I think it's going to be a fun race.
1: Okay. Okay. Top five. Who goes first? Well, I, with the lead in hand, do get to go first on this last pick of the season. And my first pick, I'm going to go back-to-back Mercedes wins. I'll take Lewis Hamilton, P1. Wow. Nice. I believe
0: Mercedes has the pace. They now have the best car. They have all the momentum going into the final race and into 2023. So I will take George Russell at number one. Number two, he needs the points to secure second place. He's angry at his teammate, Max Verstappen. I am going to go with Red Bull's Sergio Perez. Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: Sergio. Nice. I will take, I guess I got to go with his teammate then. I'll I'll take Verstappen, pick him off the board. And then, you know, he needs the points. Leclerc needs the points. So I guess I'll go with him, P3. (laughs)
0: Nice. For me, in third, the man who haunts every driver's nightmares, Fernando Alonso. I think I get to pick fourth. I will go with his teammate, Esteban Ocon. They want to be certain they take fourth
1: in the constructors, and I think they're going to have a great race. Nice. it's a good one. Ooh, this is interesting. Fourth and fifth. For me, I think Haas will secure their eighth place in Constructors Championship. I'm going to take Kevin Magnuson. P4. Oh, I would love to see that. We're going to have to do a
0: a case study on all the, the baffling, awful moves Ferrari made. But if somebody writes that first, we'll have to check out what's going on with Alpha Tori. That's the only reason why
1: Haas is even fighting for eighth. Yeah, I have no idea what's happening there. Wow. It's so okay, Mag. Okay, and what about Fifth? Well, Fifth, you know, maybe, maybe they do put in a fight. And he's going to ride his coattails all the way down. I'll take Gasly, trying, desperately. Wow. To move Alpha into that into that eighth <laughs> spot. but That lofty eighth Kane spot. K-Mag is going to pull it out
0: for the win. Nice. So <laughs> for Abu Dhabi, you are predicting Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, Kevin Magnussen, and Pierre Gasly. That is a wild top five. I am going to predict George Russell, Sergio Perez, Fernando Alonso, his teammate Esteban Ocan. And in fifth... We'll go with Mister Reliable, who somehow, despite being Spanish, maintains his sanity while driving for Ferrari. Carlos signs. Awesome. Any crazy predictions for Abu Dhabi for the end of the season, twenty twenty
1: three? Any anything? Crazy predictions for Abu Dhabi. I think that we will see another new pole sitter this season. So first ever pull for somebody Nice in Abu Dhabi. I think we've had four so far this season. So a fifth one to round out the end of the year. (laughs) Okay. I'll give
0: two, one not quite so crazy. It looks like Mercedes is primed to be the top team in 2023. I think the top driver will be Max Verstappen and he will be battling out the constructors, not with Lewis Hamilton of Mercedes, but George Russell. And I think Max will just edge out George Russell for his third championship. And my crazy prediction, Abu Dhabi is Daniel Ricciardo's last race. We've heard he might sign as a reserve driver for Mercedes or possibly reserve driver for Red Bull. I know he wants to continue staying in F1 my crazy prediction is he signs as the Haas driver alongside Kevin Magnuson in 2023. <laughs> that would be kind of crazy. Yeah. All right. I wish to remind our listeners to send your questions or comments to hardcompoundpod at gmail.com. We may read them on the show. We definitely will read them. I also wish to thank you all for listening to everybody's most beloved father and son F1 podcast. And we are lights out. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Excellent show, son. And that was some really good cake.